Welcome to the 8th McCovey Concast. I am Brian Murphy and with me is... I'm Doug Brizzoni. That's right. And we are here working hard uh, the week of Christmas and we, we're not stopping. We can't stop. We won't stop delivering you ramblings about San Francisco Giants baseball. Um, I'm still recovering from the Giants having uh, made major moves in the, in the offseason um and now on the heels of all that uh well you know what first how's it going doug what's new you know i'm i'm doing well uh looking forward to christmas yeah already wrote my article for the week so i'm good very nice this is my article for the week (laughs) (laughs) so good luck i hope it goes well (laughs) yeah exactly um because as we all know i don't edit um (laughs) Yeah, uh, so two Giants have left. Uh, well, Ryan Vogelsong has signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it's a major league deal. And that's what happens when your team doesn't have any money to spend, that you have to essentially shop for a very old, 38-plus-year-old fifth starter to fill out your roster. I kind of like the move, though, because... Well, I don't like it because he's not going to be on the Giants, but I do like it because he's not going to be on the Giants. And he's going to he, I think he could probably help the Pirates out for a little bit here and there. But uh Brian, or Ryan Vogelsong Ryan Vogelsong has been uh, a good giant for the past 5 seasons. It's going to be tough to watch him put on the same old uniform again. So, yeah, it's um, he's been great. You know, I'm I'm very happy he came back. Obviously, he was fantastic in 2011, really good in 2012, not so good the few years after that. Though, you know, he was okay in 2014. He was good enough. Uh, but I really think the thing that he brings to the Pirates is he's going to teach Garrett Cole how to glower, which I don't think he knows how to do. He doesn't have a good glare. He doesn't have a good you know grind. Gonna kill everyone on this field kind of look and he needs that so i'm looking forward to seeing his influence there i think it'd be nice just to have another team uh, or just a guy come on the roster and act like you know here's how you beat the cardinals and (laughs) and actually know how to do it and the pirates will probably nod and be like oh we never thought of that (laughs) he's been just steady and i think we were all waiting for what basically happened last year um to happen for you know the previous four seasons and really when the giants needed him here and there, I guess I'm just torn, you know, it's just stuff. He wants to pitch. He wants to play. He's still got a fastball. And I think we talked about this on another podcast, like the first one where I just, you know, I don't know when a pitcher has gone, if they still throw 92 miles an hour and there's some run on the ball or a tail that it seems like they should still be able to pitch, but who knows? Uh, Ryan Vogelsong's fastball at the end of the year last year was not the problem. Everything else was. So, <laughs> uh, but I want to give you a chance to guess. We're not playing a game right now, <clears throat> but I just want to. I just want you to guess who's who over the last five years. So player A, uh, seven hundred ninety-two point two innings pitched, uh, eighty-two home runs allowed, a three eighty-nine ERA. 48 wins, 46 losses, um, an ERA plus of 91, and a 1.33 whip. That's player A. Player B, 
832.2 innings pitched, 85 home runs allowed, uh, 52 wins, 56 losses, 417 ERA, an 84 ERA plus, and a 1.351 whip. Um, I'm going to say that second one was Vogel song. Okay. And the first one, was it Kane? You are incorrect in both guesses. Player, Outstanding. Yes. Player A is Ryan Vogelsong. Player B is Tim Lincecum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see <laughs> Ryan Vogelsong go. <laughs> and I, I'm jumping for joy that Tim Lincecum may not be back. Um, right. <laughs> the, the Giants rotation obviously last year was in shambles, but there were those starts that Vogelsong would kind of mix in there at some point that would maybe slow down the Giants collapse or whatever was going on. And, and I think the reason why he kept getting starts is because he kept convincing them, not just by whining about it or because they were out of arms. I mean, Petit was not even a factor starting last year. Uh, I, so I think that from the scouting eye, they just saw something in Vogelsong. They kept seeing it. And obviously the performance would then it would blow up in their face right away. But and if he's still getting a major league deal, I guess what I'm getting at is the consensus is he still probably has a little bit left, a little tiny yeah. bit left, a very maybe tiny amount, but it's not nothing. And, you know, he for a while he was he was perfectly adequate last year and then he kind of collapsed down the stretch. So maybe the Pirates are looking for a few good months out of him you know he's a fifth starter maybe they're looking for just somebody who can eat a inning occasionally as a fifth starter not you know not even a lot of innings just get get a few get get a five and dive and then don't hurt the bullpen that much and but, you know oh go yeah for it. go ahead but you know i was happy he was here i'm i was happy that he spent the time with the giants that he did came back and won a couple of rings I was not thrilled when uh, when that Astros deal fell apart last offseason and he came back, but I, I don't know who they would have started instead of him. I guess it would have been Petit, and then maybe we would have all seen why they refused to start Petit this year under almost any circumstance. And I don't know. <laughs> I will miss him as a person. I will not miss him as a pitcher. Uh, I will... I'm pretty much in agreement. I think uh obviously the the ship had sailed performance wise, but uh he was just it, it's such a great story. Uh one of the one of the few times that Brian Sabian's uh prospect dumps uh actually someone actually panned out. So, <laughs> if you think about it. And he panned it, out for the Giants. So that really could have done perfectly. Yes. <laughs> that was uh it was the long con. <laughs> that nobody saw coming. Uh, his best game as a giant by the by the controversial game score happened in 2014. Believe it or not, <laughs> it happened in that spectacular 2014, and it was a it was one of his only two complete games in these past five years, uh, and it was against the Mets in New York. Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. 
Ryan Vogel. I feel like last time when we talked about the Giants who were leaving, Hector Sanchez, Yusmero Petit, didn't give enough credit. Also, Ryan Vogelsong has one of the coolest athlete stories in the history of athlete stories. It's impressive for this reason alone. I don't know if everyone's familiar with it. You can find it all online, but how he met his wife, Nicole Vogelsong, uh, who's very active on Twitter and is very... Very big rah-rah, big in the Giants community. It's great. And uh, anyway, he hit on her. Do you know the story? Uh, not. I mean, really vaguely. He saw not, a, not the story. She was a bartender, uh, and he hit on her, and she was like, whatever. And he persisted, <laughs> but not like over the top. He just did what people don't normally do with bartenders, and that is – he followed up. <laughs> he kept like he showed his true intentions. He liked her. He wanted to get to know her. And I think it's impressive when you not only get the bartender's number, you then date the bartender. That's a that's a hard move to pay off or to pull off. Not many people can do it. And an athlete, especially when they know when the bartender knows out of all the clientele, the athletes, you know, number one, what that's all about. So Brian Vogelsong has my respect in many ways, and that's number one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that sort of exemplifies what he's been for the last few years of the Giants, which is just he's going to keep going after what he wants, and maybe it won't pan out, but when it does, it'll be great. Just going to keep grinding, throwing, throwing those fastballs at the corners. Eventually, he's going to get the results. So when uh, the Pirates and the Giants actually face off in the NLDS next year, it's going to be something, if he, if he makes it that long. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, they're, they're still probably going to have Morse, so. <laughs> right, right. And Morse and Vogelsong against the Giants. That'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, the other Giant to leave, uh, actually, to finally formally announce his retirement or fire, file his retirement paperwork was the ghost of Freddie Sanchez. Holy moly, Doug. Freddie Sanchez has finally <laughs> filed for retirement. I appreciate it. Holy moly, by the way, that was, that was very well done. Um, yeah, no, it's, I didn't know he hadn't already done that. I just kind of assumed it had happened after 2013. Nobody, then, nobody thought he had, everyone, nobody knew he hadn't done that already. Everyone assumed even major league baseball was like, are you sure? I thought we had these <laughs> and they're rummaging through paper and, and nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did not have Marco Scudero will officially retire before Freddie Sanchez in the pool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Freddie Sanchez, he played, uh, geez, he played almost 200 games in the regular season, obviously, for the Giants. Well, OK, so he played over 200 games for the Giants. It doesn't that feels uh 10 times greater than the number of games I thought he played for the Giants. <laughs> so, um, he obviously his best year was 2010. That was the year he played basically the whole season. And then of course, who could forget how, how well he, how well he performed in the world series, um, four doubles and great defense. And, Oh, but I want to go back to 2011 real quick. He had, he played 60 games that year and, and, Yes, three rings in six years, no one's going to complain. But <laughs> you have to look at 2011 and go, what if? Th there, you know, Posey going down was such a blow 
you know, Freddie Sanchez not being able to come back also hurts. Uh, you know, the injuries happen at odd times. Beltran goes down, and then everyone, you know, I think Pablo was scuffling at that time, and then Beltran comes back. And 2011, just one day, maybe a what if or Croncast about about that season. Now I'm looking at his line, and he was basically repeating his twenty his 2010 and his postseason, carrying that over in the 2011. So who knows, guys? Who knows? I like to wish about things and get really greedy about it. But anyway. Yeah, look back and say, yeah. what if they'd won three in a row and four and five years? Yeah, exactly. Then people would really hate it. I think everybody wanted the back-to-back, though, right? I mean, well, the, yeah. back to, the back-to-back is is pretty sweet. And that, to me, is extraordinarily – what the Giants have done is extremely impressive and very hard to do. But to me, winning back-to-back, especially seeing it up close and personal now, it's extraordinarily difficult. Uh, just guys are tired, and then they have to just do it all over again. Yeah, it's really impressive the Royals won this year after going to seven games in the World Series last year. And the Royals didn't look tired at all. So no. The Royals looked stronger as the season got along. So uh, what's your biggest Freddie Sanchez memory? Um, Probably that catch in the World Series, the yeah. one where he leaped up and, and snow-coned it. Yeah. Uh, that was a good catch. <laughs> I mean, is it a big point in the game, if I'm remembering right? It was somewhat early on. Is that the Bumgarner start? Oh, I'm going to get raked over the coals for not knowing this. I feel like it was not the Bumgarner start. I felt like that was at home. No, the Bumgarner start was game four in Texas. Right, I'm saying, so I feel like the catch that Freddie made. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. I might be wrong about that. Um, Yeah. Okay, so that's probably his most memorable game. Uh, that's well, definitely his most at... memorable game. My, Well, my main memory of Freddy Sanchez, sadly, is the ghost of Freddy Sanchez image <laughs> from uh, the 2012 playoffs. And, uh, and does everyone remember the franchise, the short-lived yes. sports documentary I, I series? I remember the first episode. And so yeah. I remember him banging his, his fist on his leather chair watching the games because he couldn't do anything but watch and i was thinking in that moment i'm like that's a great way for you to get injured freddie sanchez (laughs) (laughs) knowing you uh so those are my memories of him but the main thing it's always seemed silly to me that freddie sanchez uh was a giant because of course he was going to be on the giants at some point why did it take so long he (laughs) And and the thing is, I don't know if this is true, and someone can send me a message. Brian Sabian, send me an email. That's totally fine. At me on Twitter. I don't care. I want to know. But to me, it seemed like for the longest time that the Giants would prefer a lineup of Freddie Sanchez's, top to bottom. Like, he was their perfect type of player. He uh, he played great defense. He made contact or, you know, put the ball in play, and he had hustle and heart. And that seems like what the Giants really, that's the starting point for all their players that they go after. So he just seemed like a prototypical Giant. And to be fair, I didn't like that. (laughs) That's not the kind of baseball player I immediately like. So uh, I'm a big fan of players who can, who can, you know, OPS over 800. So, Um, I mean, yeah, they definitely really like him as a kind of player, but I think they also look at it positionally like, as a second baseman, he's what you want. 
Like maybe, I mean, if you, if you went up to Bobby Evans or Brian Sabian tomorrow, I'm like, look, I can guarantee you your second baseman in 2016 will either hit like Freddie Sanchez or like Jeff Kent, which do you want? He'd probably say Kent, but there would be that little, every time that, you know, that guy failed, whoever the second baseman is, you know, Joe Panic or Kelby Tomlinson or the corpse of Bill Hall. I, I don't know. Anytime that guy failed, be like Freddie Sanchez would have done it. Freddie Sanchez would have got that guy in from third because it does seem like they have that belief in Freddie Sanchez or a Freddie Sanchez type that he's going to do all the little things right. And they value that a lot. Well, one thing that Freddie Sanchez, if I recall correctly, I'm sorry, Freddie Sanchez, it's been literally four years since I've seen you play baseball. <laughs> um, but if I recall correctly, he was able to shoot the ball the other way. He had a good ability to spray the ball, uh, you know, put contact on it and, yeah, just put it in play. Like you said, move the runner from third. But then you see someone like Marco Scudero take that approach and elevate it to an art form. And you go, <laughs> why are you thinking about Freddie Sanchez? <laughs> right. Uh, but Freddie Sanchez obviously will forever – forever be tied to the Giants. Uh, 2010 is just such a, an impossibly, you can't, it's tough to top that memory. And, and he's, yeah. he's ingrained in it. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible season for the Giants and he was a really big part of it. You, uh, you know, you might think it was more games, but he played 111 according to fan graphs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, he was, he was a good player at second base where they had not had anyone good since Ray Durham left. Uh, they were, you know, they were messing around with the Burrises of the world. Eugenio Velez's. It was, it was not pretty. It was grim, folks. And, it, you know, it was a solid, a solid deal. It was exactly what they needed. It was in 2009 when they needed a, a little bit more than a, a slap hitter, essentially. But <laughs> uh, the Giants did all they could. So I guess if you're the Pirates, though, it's been a bad week for you in the news. Because... <laughs> Former pirate retires. Former pirate does well on another team, and then the other team gets rid of him, and so you bring him back into the fold. You can't really sign many free agents, do very much, and I even have heard rumblings about what's going to happen with Andrew McCutcheon because he's obviously grossly underpaid. So if you're the Pirates, uh, oh well. If you're the Giants, you literally had two players Leave, by leaving remind you of good memories so it was a net positive <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are very spoiled and uh that will leads right in naturally to questions about what our spoiled asses are going to whine about going into next season the giants <laughs> have already bolstered their rotation they they everyone knew the last oh let's say the last four months of the season and heading into the off season we need to work on our pitching. We need to get better at pitching. Our prospects are still coming. but uh, And the Giants addressed it, but it's still not enough. Uh, my first question from Twitter, and again, uh, Doug and I will send out every week requests for questions. You can ask us about anything. We'll answer them. If you send multiple questions, we'll only pick one. Um, okay. First question comes from at Fred Mercury Vest. And he asks, does Martin Prado make sense as a trade target for the Giants? I mean, he would seem to, right? He can play a bunch of positions. He's a good, like, scrappy hitter. 
He can, you know, if you need him in the outfield, he played, he's played a bunch of games in the outfield. If you need someone at third base, if you're not worried about Duffy holding up, he can play third. If you need someone at second base, he can play some second. He's, you know, he can, he can stand at a lot of positions and look reasonably like a major league player. And then he's, he's been a pretty good hitter. He's, he's like a good, he's a good player. I don't know what the Marlins would want for him. Apparently their demand for Jose Fernandez has increased to owning the moon. But <laughs> so who knows how reasonable they are, but, or on the other hand, that's not unreasonable because Jose Fernandez is incredible, but you know, you don't know what the Marlins would want. So there's that. But on the other hand, Martin Prado is a very good player. So I would say that, yeah, he does fit the, what the Giants want pretty well. I cannot imagine that the Giants would be able to swing that trade, swing a trade for him really at all. Is he, so is he a realistic, is this a realistic trade target? I don't really feel like it's, it's going to be. It also just seems like every time you talk to the, to the Marlins, it's just crazy town. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know why you'd want to basically try to negotiate with a bag of cats. You know, and, and you're not going to get very far. But, yeah, I think when uh, when the Marlins traded for him, I was surprised that there weren't any rumblings about the Giants possibly being in uh, in on him. And he would have been a great target before we knew Matt Duffy was amazing. Um, yeah. So to answer the question, uh, he makes sense uh, emotionally, but I don't think so logically just because of what they have to give. And offense is not – the positions he plays best, third base, I think left field is probably what they would target him for. Um, I, I just feel like the price of prospect blood is going to be too much. And so the next one, but that's my opinion. What do I know? I didn't think they were going to get Johnny Cueto. Neither did you. <laughs> neither did you, though, Doug. Uh, no, I did not. The next question comes from at Freak55. There's like seven Fs and then... <laughs> Eek 55, and he asks, the Giants will pay $1.3 million in luxury taxes this year. In your opinion, do the Giants decide to spend for outfield? Um, I think so. That's that. I think if they're paying the luxury tax and they're comfortable with it and are definitely aiming to reset that number in the following offseason, it's kind of like what the Yankees did two years ago, I think it was, where it was like, well, we don't have to pay A-Rod, so now we're under the tax. But then it's like we could – and then they had a bunch of – you know, Cano was off the books. And so they had a lot of money suddenly. And they are like, we could reset our cap or they we could do what they wound up doing, which was just go crazy free agent-wise. And they're like, screw it. We're, gonna, we're going over because we want to get better. And I think that might be with the Giants. That seems to be what the national sports reporters are kind of hinting at, uh, that, that they're possibly still in on the left fielder. I don't know who would that be. And if the price will even be right. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're, I mean, I think they're, they're open to signing someone as like a mid tier guy, but they're not going to go into the crazy Upton or Cespedes range. Sorry. I, I wish they would because, you know, Cespedes might be a flawed player, but he's very fun. For so sure. I would enjoy that. For sure. Uh, for sure. <laughs> but, and I think, yeah, it depends on the, that definitely determines it. The AAV is going to be, you know, that will determine factor in what the tax would actually be. Um, so someone like Dexter Fowler, but I don't think you're going to get Dexter Fowler for say $10 million a year. It just doesn't seem like it's trending that way. Right. Which is incredible because 
he can't be that good. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> he's kind of in that mold of he does a couple of things well, but then he gets injured a lot. And the things he does poorly kind of are equal to what he does badly. So he's kind of an even player. This is all right. all imprecise wording. But he does get on base <laughs> and he does have a little bit of power. And he does have some speed. But he's not a great base stealer. He's not a great defender. And average-wise, contact-wise, he's not great. He strikes out a lot. So it's it's give and take. Uh, you know, you're basically paying for a shinier Angel Pagan in, in the case of Dexter Fowler. Yeah. And, you know, if you're throwing more than $10 million at that, that's probably not worth it. And it's hard to see the Giants wanting to uh, to give that. And it just doesn't seem that out. Justin. It doesn't seem like Justin Upton would. He wants to play. I don't think he wants to play in San Francisco. That's no. That's pretty firm. And then, so I think Cespedes will just go to the highest bidder. So it gets very tricky there. You know, you're out on two for sure, and then the third, so then, who's yeah. decent, you're gonna have to pay more for than you'd want. Uh, and then maybe Alex Gordon's price comes down a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. Possibly, but the White Sox are lurking out there, and I know that some reporters have tried to attach them to Cespedes, but now I think that's come back to Gordon. And I just don't. I don't like Alex Gordon at 32 years old signing a six or seven year deal, playing you know half of his games in San Francisco, and half the other half against Clayton Kershaw. So. Right, that's how it works right. out. The Giants play yeah. Clayton Kershaw 81 times a year. So, uh, you know, for all the good that he does, again, it's just going to be like, I think I would rather, if I have to choose who I'm going to overpay for, Cespedes, or I'm sorry, uh, Fowler or uh, Gordon, I think I'd pick Fowler in that case, only because I'm banking on not as many years. Right, that's a good point. So the next question comes from, the internet's own Wendy Thurm at Hanging Sliders, and she asks us, who will be in left field on opening day? Angel Pagan, Gregor Blanco, or Jarrett Parker? Well, definitely not Angel Pagan. Right. Uh, there's no chance of that. Hell will not only be frozen over, it will be like a summer, a, a cold summer vacation for people in Arizona who want to get out of the heat <laughs> by then, before Angel Pagan starts in left field for a single game for the Giants. Angel Pagan um, doesn't even know where left field is. He literally does not. He doesn't know at all. He thinks that that the outfield is – that he he cannot go there. He thinks it's, like, not possible. He's uh, scared of it. Well, to Angel Pagan, the outfield – the definition of the outfield is five feet behind second base and then 15 feet north of that. That's it. That's all Angel Pagan yeah. understands as the outfield. Yeah. So sometimes people will call like Gregor Blanco or Hunter Pence an outfielder and he won't correct them and he'll think he's being very nice. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he just needs a <laughs> runway to get his hair flowing. That's really all the outfield <laughs> is for him. Um, I would say that Blanco is more likely than Parker to start in left field, but I would also say that a some sort of free agent is more likely than that. I think the Giants will sign someone, even if it's not, you know, they'll sign someone or they'll trade for someone. If it's not one of the, the big guys on the, on the market, they'll find a medium value guy that they kind of like, and they'll put them in there because they don't want to start Gregor Blanco all year. It seems pretty clear. And so I think, 
I don't think anybody on that list is going to start in left field opening day. However, if I had to pick one, it would be Blanco. Dark horse candidate. Ooh, that's that sounds bad. Marlon Bird. Yeah. Marlon Bird. <laughs> Marlon Bird. <laughs> he's he's still out there. <laughs> he is. And he did lead the team in RBI. He just carried them offensively, RBI wise, <laughs> for a week there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm I'm with you. I think it's Blanco or or some sort of platoon. Which the Giants. I, it's unclear what the Giants are more uncomfortable with. The idea of a platoon, like a straight-up actual platoon, or Gregor Blanco starting all season. They're very uncomfortable with Gregor Blanco starting all season. <laughs> but they're, they also, by practice, have indicated that they really don't like platoons. Well, the, the problem with platooning Blanco is that it basically makes him a starter since most, most pitchers are right-handed. That is a fair so, you point. Know, you, you'd platoon him with Marlon Bird, and then you have Blanco getting 450 at-bats a year and Bird getting 150. And that's not what they want. Although, if you platoon that way, you know Marlon Bird's going to actually get the bulk of the playing time. Right, so it's not a real platoon, so it's really about not wanting Gregor Blanco to start. Right. So, Wendy, to answer your question, it's probably going to be Marlon Bird. (laughs) Marlon Bird. Yeah. Uh, The next question, and this is the last question, is from at San Diego Giants, and... He asks, which pitcher will have the highest war in 2016? Tim Lincecum, Ryan Vogelsong, or Barry Zito? Good question, because Barry Zito is zero. Right. Um, I would say Vogelsong. I think it'll be like 0.2. You think you will have a positive win above replacement? I do. I I know that's being a little bit optimistic, but I think it'll be very slightly positive. I mean, he would have been positive this year. Except his last few appearances were just disasters. Just I think the Pirates will. That park feels like it, it stifles so offense. They're going to avoid having him do that. It feels like that park yeah. suppresses offense even more. He actually, according to Fangraphs, had a zero war yeah. this year. Okay. Uh, but he's, he's a year removed from a 1.3 wins above replacement. Okay. Um, I really, you know, I'll be honest here. Well, first, I agree with you. But I, if I'm being honest, I really wish that it was Tim Lincecum who would have the highest war in that group. I want him to make a comeback. Yeah. I want him to do well. I want to believe that medical science has progressed, that we can fix a hip, and it <laughs> returns you to your previous level of performance. It's never happened before, but it would be I mean, when you're really old and you get hip surgery, then you go back to, you know, a plus a, a plus performance but it's not you're not 30 years old again you know when you're 70 okay uh, so those are yeah. our questions that's oh, it. Do, do we want to do um do we want to do one of the keys are questions yes you know what i couldn't find okay i did find them now okay oh the one i had tagged sorry keys he also sent us a bunch the one before and i meant to grab one of them but i just lost it in the shuffle Okay, he asks, what uh, best baseball movie, Major League or Eight Men Out? Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the sap who loves Feel the Dreams, but uh, from those two, it's, it's, I think, Major League. I think it's just funnier. And Charlie Sheen is playing, you know, a crazy person, which is using Charlie Sheen very well. You have Wesley Snipes. You have Corbin Burnson. <laughs> I'm picking Corbin Burnson every time. 
he was a Q after all. You've got Rene Russo. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot about Rene Russo. And Tom Berenger playing a, like, like he was born to play a grizzled old catcher. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's clearly Major League. It has had a cultural impact that uh, 8-Man Out is based on something that has had a cultural impact. But the movie itself uh, is is great, but it's it's no Major League. And uh, also, that movie was about just beating the Yankees in, like, the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah. That was what was great about it, too. It wasn't even about winning the World Series or anything. And those, so sports movies where the, where that's the case, I tend to like a little bit more. Uh, yeah, right. I, I appreciate the attainable goals. Yes. Instead yeah. of we're going to win the championship, win it Just, all. You know, yeah. we're going to we're going to beat the stupid Yankees. That's right. Uh, that that should be the goal of basically every sports movie. That's why for the love of the game is only good in the baseball sequences because <laughs> he's trying to beat the Yankees. He's trying to humiliate the that's, Yankees. That's right. That is that is correct. Uh, so that's those are our questions for the week. We're going to move on to uh, the last segment of the show, and that is we're going to play a game. And uh, if you saw the news yesterday, or if you missed the news yesterday about uh, Bruce Bochy, he purchased for, as a Christmas gift for his longtime friend and former third base coach of the San Francisco Giants, Tim Flannery. He literally paid $15,000 for another World Series trophy, a copy of one of the trophies. Is it an amalgamation of all three or 2010? I can't remember now. Uh, I just literally read the news yesterday and I can't remember. But he, he bought his best friend a trophy. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. here you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was really nice. It was a very good gesture. And Tim Flannery, who cries when the wind changes direction, of course, got very emotional. <laughs> brought a tear to his eye. So the game this week is... Suppo- so... Well, hold on. Let me get the scenario here. So Bruce Bochy's like, oh, I got to, I'm going to see Tim. I know when I'm going to see Tim. I'm going to see him right before Christmas. So I'm going to get him. Oh, he's not expecting this. So he goes and he orders this from Tiffany's months in advance. He knows what he's getting him. And he brings it to him. If you were invited to a Giants player's home uh, and you, you want to bring a gift, you want to stand out. But... You're broke like I am and broke like Doug is. I'm just assuming. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God. So yeah. you, you don't have $15,000 to spend on a gift. You have $15 to spend on a gift. What would you bring that specific giant? For the sake of this game, don't say you're just going to get a Chipotle gift card for every giant we name because that's, that's just lame. Try to personalize it. You want to try to bring them to tears with $15. Okay. That's a setup as, as convoluted as any of our other setups I've ever been. So the first giant I'm going to throw out, I'm going to get the first one is you, you for some reason were invited over to Sergio Romo's house. Ooh. Well, that. All right. Hold on. Let me think. Romo. Yeah, that's a tough one. Trying to think what he likes or what he doesn't like. Oh, I got it. Okay. All right. So I, I show up Sergio Romo's house, hand him my gift. He opens it. It is an Andrew Baggerly voodoo doll. Oh, okay. 
So you went to Michael's or a yarn shop and you fashioned this yourself? <laughs> yeah, and then I, I, I printed out a photo of Baggerly and stuck the head on so you can you can be sure it's him. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I'm coming in behind you. So <laughs> I see him open that and I'm like, shoot, <laughs> mine is not going to be as good. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm still thinking. Yeah. About that. I'm still thinking about that. That's a good one. Mine will be a. Uh, mine will be a picture of a blown up, uh, finely detailed picture of Miguel Cabrera's face <laughs> when that fastball comes. Uh, that, and I will have spent nice. most of that. I will have spent on the frame, the fifteen dollars. <laughs> right, get a decent frame for that. Uh, that that will be my gift. And then he could put those in like his corner of hubris, right? Those two <laughs> gifts, like when his ego yeah, starts flying up. Uh, okay, good. All right, who you got for me? All right, for you, I'm gonna say Angel Pagan. <laughs> All right, I've got fifteen dollars. To spend for Angel Pagod. And I am going to buy him. I'm going to buy him three tank tops. <laughs> that's my <guess>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's it. He's just going to wear those. And he's going he's gonna to look good in them. They're going to be like tattered. I'm going to have cut, you know, cut the, sh- the shoulders, the armholes a little bit to make him yeah. look a little worn. And then, and then maybe one of them has some sort of print on it, like stay loose. So that's it. That's good. Yeah. I think, uh, I think if I think my gift for Angel Pagan would be a a calendar full of good looking men looking at the camera because every month he would look at him and set, he would look at whoever the guy is and he'd say, I can smolder better than him. (laughs) So you're, you're just jamming him up uh, competitively. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a contract year. He needs it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now here's here's the last one, and I feel like this is a tough one because what do you get? What do you get for him? Uh, I'm going to end it with Joe Panic. What do you get, Joe Panic, for Christmas? Ooh, I don't have a beat on Joe Panic. I don't know what kind of a person he is. All I can divine from watching him or glean from is that he really is like a clone of Buster Posey's public persona <laughs> in appearance and in the way he speaks. That's, that's the only uh, awareness I have of him. Does he have a sense of humor? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he might, but he keeps it so buttoned up. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I would get him? I would get him. a a, a like a, whatever container is a, a box, a bag of just really good pasta. I think he would appreciate it. Like a fine, like maybe it's even from Italy. Like you didn't, you didn't pay to have it shipped, but it's like from Italy and you got it at like Pier One Imports or something. Yeah, you go into a really nice like Dean and DeLuca kind of Dean, store. There you go. Yeah, and then you find the pasta there and you give it to Joe Panic. He, you know, he he might be a little like, you know, he might not appreciate it at first, but when he cooked it, he'd be like, you know what, this was great. You know what? I, I'm picking up a pasta nerd vibe from him. I could see that. 
I could totally see him digging that. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Mine would be two Blu-rays, the original Roadhouse, and the original Point Break. Because <laughs> I feel like those movies are programmed right into, into him. I don't have a beat on him. I'm just hoping that those will fill the space in his head. And they're well, it great sounds movies. Like, it sounds like you have a beat on him and it's, he's a Swayze guy. <laughs> well, Sw- yeah, I think Swayze might. Uh, Swayze, Swayze really speaks to us all, I feel like, ultimately. That's true. And uh, and I think I think it, what Joe Panic might be missing is some throat ripping and and like that throat ripping instinct. And I think if he just sees Swayze do it, he'll be like, "Yeah, man, that's what I need." He's not gonna care. And you know, I don't. Know, I can see him being like, "I want to see Swayze surf the biggest wave in the world." <laughs> he'll have to lean over though when they're wearing the president's masks, and he'll be like, <laughs> "Which president is that?" And it's. <laughs> He won't wreck. He, he wasn't even born yet. Uh, no. So because he's so young. Right. Uh, I'm like us. Right. Right. I am old. Uh, well, that's, that'll do it. That was satisfying. $15. I, I want to know how I would have been invited to any of these parties, actually. But I don't know. A friend of a friend. Uh, well, so. well, you would have been invited by mistake. They would have meant to get KNBR's Brian Murphy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I haven't really taken advantage of that. One time I was at a party and I said I wrote right from the Covey Chronicles and and the woman got really excited and she goes, oh, my God, you're Grant Brisby. <laughs> I should have said yes. You should have. I should have said yes and just just ridden that wave for the rest of the party. Um, yeah, you would have probably just got in because you hang out with the minor leakers at least so they can talk <laughs> to you go to a bunch of games, right? You've gone to more than I, I have. I've talked to a bunch of them, yeah. but you know, most of them wouldn't recognize me. <laughs> hey, it's Doug from the game. Remember me? <laughs> Aren't you happy yeah. to see me I said, here I said, at this go, party? Right. <laughs> or, or you, or you just say your KMBR is Brian Murphy. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening and uh, happy holidays. Doug, happy holidays to you and um, holidays, Brian. And wow, this was this was fun. All right, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll do it again tomorrow. No, we won't. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta wrap gifts. All right, take care. Talk All right, to you next week. okay.